Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, welcome back to Breaking Down Collapse. Kellen, it is 2021. We've rung in the new year, so everything's better, just like everyone promised it would be, right? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, the only reason anything was bad in 2020 was because 2020 was just cursed. <laughs> yeah, all the problems with COVID, foreclosures, housing crisis, all that just poofed up in smoke because the clock rang midnight, December 31st. Yeah, why even have this podcast anymore? It's not like collapse is going to happen now that 2020 is over. Yeah, let's close up shop. We're all done here. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody. In all seriousness, though, it's crazy to me that a lot of people really seem to have that sort of mindset that January 1st, 2021 was going to change everything and, and suddenly the world's going to be a better place. And people don't like it when I tell them that I think 2021 is going to even be worse than 2020. You know, it makes me think of what we talked about last time we mentioned this Stockdale Paradox. And you'll remember that James Stockdale was a prisoner of war, tortured for seven years, tragic story. But when he was interviewed later and asked who didn't make it out alive, he said it was the optimists who said, things will be better by Christmas. We will get out of here by Christmas. And then when they still weren't released at that time, they said, okay, well, things are going to be better by Easter. They couldn't face the facts. They couldn't look at reality where his whole point of view was, we have to have this faith that things will work out in the end while also balancing that with what's staring us in the face. Yeah, I feel like it's a real psychological issue that a lot of people are going to face when things don't get better. You know, if March and April and May roll around and COVID is still kicking our trash and people are being evicted and the economy hasn't recovered or even, you know, there's a major housing crisis in the stock market, you know, that sort of thing. Like, is that going to break people? 
you know, and if it doesn't, are they going to say that same thing? Well, okay, you know, maybe it wasn't, it's the second half of the year, things are going to get better. How often can they just keep pushing that out before they finally accept like, oh, things don't get better from here? Yeah, and unfortunately, that's where the paranoid side of me starts to kick in. I, I think that's when people start to get really desperate. And history shows us that desperate people don't make kind choices. And actually, on that note, it, it makes me think of a conversation that I just had with a former boss of mine and a great friend. And he was saying that the events of 2020 are similar psychologically to September 11th, 2001, in that the impact that it's had on society and on people, it's sort of a wake-up call and a jolt from kind of the slumber that we were in. But that what's interesting is the massive difference in the way we've responded to it. You know, September 11th, it was everyone came together. Didn't matter, black, white, rich, poor, Democrat, Republican, like we were all Americans. And it had that feeling to it. And whatever had to be done, we would do to try and, and fix the problem. Even though we did a lot of stupid things in reaction to that, we did the stupid things together. Whereas with 2020, it seems like we have become more and more polarized. We've become more hateful and violent. The reaction to what's happening has split the nation in two or, or maybe even split the nation in hundreds of pieces as everyone has their own opinions. And the topic of today's episode actually fits really well with that. As we hurtle along the pathway towards collapse, as things are going to continually get worse and worse as the years go on, it seems like we're becoming more and more divided at a time where really the most important thing that we could be doing if we're going to have any chance at mitigating this is to unite. So what we're talking about today is one of the biggest contributors to that division, which is the echo chambers that we place ourselves in. I think this will be a really interesting discussion. My thoughts have been on this a lot. I know it's kind of cliche to cite the old adage that united we stand, divided we fall. But I believe that's true. There's not a single group, right? There's no family or community or nation that can all be at each other's throats and still be expected to succeed, right? We we talked about in previous episodes how much we do rely on each other. And like you mentioned, we're seeing more polarization than perhaps ever before. And I don't anticipate that's going to decrease. We just mentioned a moment ago that moving into 2021 our problems aren't all magically solved. And there's a lot of evidence that things will get worse and people will get more desperate. And I don't think amidst all that desperation, people are suddenly going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And I know some of what we're going to discuss is around why we are diving deeper and deeper into these echo chambers. So maybe it's worth explaining a little more about what an echo chamber really is. Yeah, so an, an echo chamber is essentially an environment that you put yourself in where you're just reinforcing your beliefs. You surround yourself with people, media, and sources that all just tell you what you want to hear. And so there's tons of examples of that, whether that be on social media, whether that be the content that we view on our televisions or the friends that we hang out with. We all kind of tend to put ourselves in echo chambers and certain media, like social media, for example, is really effective at pinning us into echo chambers. And we'll get into that in a minute. But before we dive into it deeper, I'm just going to actually read a definition, uh, a more technical definition. So an echo chamber is an environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not considered. So it also adds that idea that not only do I hear what I want to hear, but I also am very easily able to completely exclude any information that I don't want to hear. 
which means I'm probably not considering vital information that someone else is, which is where that division can start to take place. Yeah, and this might be a good place to highlight the fact that there is so much information out there. Like just in our lifetimes, the accessibility of information is mind-boggling. And because of that, we're hearing 10,000 voices and we have to choose which ones to listen to. With all the information that's out there, a lot of it is disinformation. And I feel like there's such a cultural consensus that everything is biased and that every media outlet is slanted in one way or another. It's got everybody kind of thinking, what even is truth? Like, how do I know what to believe? The advances in technology that not only bring us more information, also make that information and disinformation much more convincing. Like, I can see a video of something, and it can all be fabricated. I've just seen something with my own eyes, and yet that's not true. And you get things now, like the technology, the deep fake stuff, where you can have a political figure or a religious figure or somebody else actually saying something, and you're seeing them say it and hearing their voice, and yet you don't even know if that's true or not. So I think that kind of an environment lends itself to people trying to seek out something that they feel comfortable with. And yeah, that makes total sense. If there's so much information that I have to carefully pick what I'm going to pay attention to, it's going to be the stuff that I agree with. And that's natural. And I don't even, there's no maliciousness in that. It's just that we do have to pick carefully. And so I think we find ourselves, like you said, picking the stuff that we're comfortable with. As I've been putting more and more thought into this, I kind of go back to my roots, right? I've mentioned that I have at least a little bit of a background in psychology and sociology, but more recently I've been in the business world and specifically in sales. And there's a lot of interesting research that's out there around the way we work, the way our minds tick. And one of the most common biases that we each have, whether we recognize it in ourselves or not, is what's called a confirmation bias. And really, at the heart of what an echo chamber is, it's our way of playing off of our internal confirmation bias, which is, here's a definition of it, it, it's the natural human tendency to seek, interpret, and remember new information in accordance with pre-existing beliefs. Like, we just go with what we feel comfortable with. If you if you were to go out there and ask anybody, do you think you're wrong about the things that you believe? Nobody's going to say, yeah, I'm probably wrong, right? Everyone's going to say, no, what I believe is right. And that kind of leads to some other elements of how we work as human beings, right? There's a book that I read recently. It's called Influence. And I guess technically it's Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. The author is Robert B. Cialdini. But he did this whole deep dive into how does persuasion work? And he identified all these, he calls them compliance devices, right? But you see it all around you in all sorts of different industries, particularly with sales. But he kind of starts by saying like, in the animal kingdom, there are certain triggers for behaviors. For example, like a mother turkey will take care of her young if she hears them make a certain noise. And they've done studies where they will actually put a audio recording with that noise on a a natural predator. And yet the turkey will still treat that predator like it's one of her babies, even while it eats her young. And, And there's all these just natural triggers out there. Like this one thing happens, an animal sees this certain color or they hear this certain sound and they will just react instinctively to that. And then the the book kind of dives into all these things that we do instinctively. For example, we just associate price with value. 
If we see that something costs more, we automatically assume that it's worth more. Our, our minds want to take the path of least resistance, right? So we take these shortcuts. Anyways, without going too deep into it, it just makes me think of one of these triggers that we have, which is a sales principle called bandwagoning. Um, I think in the book they call it social proof. But it's the reason why on every website you go to that's advertising a product, they're going to show the ratings and people raving about how great the product is. And it's why brands want to have celebrities using their product. There's something about us that when we see other people doing or saying something, we suddenly give it credibility and we buy into it. So as we dive into the way that we get roped into these echo chambers, it just makes sense from like a human psychology perspective that we are more prone to believe something if the people in the groups that we're a part of are saying that thing. Yeah, it actually makes me think of an article I just read about a study that was done where they took two groups of people and they did this experiment where they said, okay, we're going to take a bunch of people on the left and a bunch of people on the right. We're going to keep them separated from each other and in their own groups. And we're going to have them talk to each other about their beliefs, spend some time together. And over the course of, I can't remember the time period, but over the course of this time period, they expected the results of this to be that because they were in these echo chambers, that they would become more sort of radical in their beliefs. But the opposite actually happened. They actually centralized more. And they said that the reason was because in those groups, they all saw each other as equals. But in groups where there is an influencer or a clear leader, someone who the people are supposed to trust, they will listen to that voice and everyone will change according to what that influencer is saying or teaching. And so in like a social media setting, for example, you know, influencers have so much power to change people and to change people's minds. And when you get into a social media echo chamber where people are getting caught up by these influencers, they actually become more radicalized through that. And so you talking about the bandwagon approach made me think of that. The, the social proof, even if it's radicalizing us, is still very powerful. So that kind of leads to what I see as the first real problem of echo chambers, and that is it, their ability to radicalize us. You know, when you put yourself into an echo chamber, it may start out that you're in an environment you're used to, you're hearing commentary on things that you agree with, kind of what we talked about. But over time, you slowly get introduced to more and more radical content. And as those in your social circle and in your echo chamber agree with it, that becomes reinforced as truth in your mind. So as you're seeing, for example, on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, your friends are liking something or they're sharing something. And maybe it's a friend that you have respect for and you saw that they shared it. And so I think naturally you just give that more credence. So as, as maybe as an example of, of how this might happen, say you're a conservative on Facebook and you're following, you know, Fox News or other conservative news sources and eventually because of the way that social media sites work, you will see more content by design that go along the lines of what you already believe in. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. But if you're already following Fox News, you know, eventually a video from OAN is going to pop up on your news feed. And so maybe you'll watch that. And before long, videos from like Alex Jones might start popping up or articles from Breitbart and things kind of start to get further and further to the right. And so once you get comfortable with Alex Jones, he starts talking about things like QAnon, and then you do some research on it, and so Facebook starts suggesting other you know, QAnon pages to you. But eventually you found yourself not just in a conservative echo chamber, but in a far-right conservative echo chamber, where the dangers of slipping into things like xenophobia or white supremacy or sexism, climate change denialism, come more natural. It's not an immediate thing, but you've probably noticed... 
And this is, by the way, not just the right. This happens on the left. This happens from every political angle, but we're seeing it more, I think, right now from the right. Before Trump, it felt like being far right or like conspiratorial was a rare thing. It was kind of a fringe group. But now, I feel like mostly since Trump's become president, those conspiracy theories are kind of everywhere. And in order to follow Trump, you kind of have to believe some of those conspiracy theories in order to say, you know, he should rightfully be president right now and that that he won the election in a landslide, that sort of thing. So friends who I thought were rational are now spouting like QAnon stuff on Facebook. And it blows me away because these are people who I never would have expected this to have happened to. And I feel like they have actually been radicalized. And I'm not talking about them just sharing these types of posts, but they're actually creating them. Yeah, it's funny you say that because earlier this year, right, we had all been isolated. Everyone's trying to social distance and quarantine themselves. But there was a time, there were a couple months kind of near the end of the summer when things were starting to lighten up, it felt like. My wife and I got together with a few extended family members that we hadn't seen for quite a while. And I can't remember exactly what the conversation was, but but somebody just said something along the lines of like, oh man, what a crazy year this has been. This pandemic sure is taking its toll. And one extended family member who we had been playing games with and having good conversations with, and as far as I know, is a very rational person, kind of rolled their eyes and said like, oh, sure, yeah, this pandemic, right? And they put up air quotes. This plandemic. <laughs> yeah, and and we were like, whoa, okay, like, what what's going on? And they said, like, this is all such nonsense. Like, I cannot believe that everyone's getting so worked up about this. And then they said, that that's what they want you to do. They want you to get worked up. And we're like, who? Who wants us to get worked up? Well... <sighs> Clearly, Fauci was hired by the Chinese to create this big scare because he's in the back pocket of all these pharmaceutical companies. And Bill Gates wants to create a vaccine that's actually designed to just kill more of the population. And those that it doesn't kill, it's going to insert a tracker into their bloodstream so that the government can track us. And it, and it just started going on and on and on, right? And things that I was like, whoa, <laughs> Where are we going with this? And like you said, I'm seeing that more and more. And that's just one example. Like you said, it happens from every political angle. It's not just on the right, it's on the left. But as I started trying to do some digging with this extended family member to see like where they were getting this, you know, they're like, I saw a video of this, this, and this, right? I I saw somebody who was hired by Dr. Fauci, who worked on his administration for 10 years, who who said that they have proof. Then I then I saw this article and it was written by somebody who was on Bill Gates' staff or his a part of his foundation who who showed all these facts and figures of you know and and they just start saying like I've seen proof. I've seen proof. And it made me realize if I all day every day was seeing all the things that this extended family member was seeing, maybe I would believe it too. But for every article out there that says how devastating the pandemic is, there's probably another one out there that talks about how it's either a hoax or that it's been fabricated under some sort of ulterior motive, you know, some malicious intent. Anyways, if if you are somebody who's on social media, which is basically everybody who's listening to this podcast, then the things that you are seeing day in and day out are probably those things that reinforce what you already believe and even radicalize what you already believe. Like it's just the situation that we're in now. 
Exactly. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners have seen the documentary Social Dilemma. And I think that that documentary does a really great job at explaining specifically how echo chambers work in our social media channels. When it comes to something like Reddit, for example, Reddit is a great example of echo chambers because literally each subreddit has its own culture. Each subreddit has its own, I mean, terminology, abbreviations, etiquette, rules. Within each sub, like, there's literally an up arrow and a down arrow. And the things that you like, you upvote. And the things you don't like, you downvote. And so even if someone comes into a sub with a rational comment, they could be downvoted into oblivion because it doesn't fit the echo chamber. The same article could be posted to three different subreddits. And on two of those subreddits, it gets upvoted like crazy and another one it gets downvoted like crazy in the two that it got upvoted it could be for completely different reasons and so it's just it's just crazy how much that already takes place but at least with reddit you kind of know you're in an echo chamber like you know that you're in a group and that the group has that culture what's interesting is something like facebook where you probably have no idea that you're in an echo chamber because you open it up and there's your, you know, your Facebook wall and you scroll and you scroll and you feel like you're seeing the same things that everyone else is seeing. You don't realize that what you're viewing is personally catered to you and that it's done so because that's what makes money. And if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma, watch it because that's what the whole thing's about is basically saying that the way Facebook and other social media sites make money is by delivering ads and that in order to deliver ads, they need to know who you are, what you like, what you react to, and they specifically target you with those things. And so in my example earlier, you know, there might be an avatar about you saying you're conservative and, you know, you have liked and shared conservative videos and they know that the more radical you get, the more committed you become. And so they slowly, you slowly start getting shared these more radical videos and, and then it's, that's how that slowly happens. And it's not just Facebook, it's, you know, Google, YouTube, all that data is out there on the internet. And it's all being used to manipulate each one of us into consuming information that will keep us addicted, keep us attached to really make these corporations more money. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, it's scary to think about. And I think that documentary that you mentioned, The Social Dilemma, when I watched it, I felt like it did a good job of explaining just how sophisticated the algorithms are, right? If you click like on something, Facebook, for example, will say like, okay, we're going to show this person more content that is similar to what they just liked. 
but I'm the type I don't ever like anything. But even as you're scrolling, right, Facebook is tracking how much time it takes you to scroll past each thing, how much time you linger on a certain video or an article or an image. It knows what time of day you're looking at things and what your location is while you're looking at those things. And like you said, it's not just Facebook. They're an easy one to pick on, right? Because they force people into echo chambers unknowingly so well. But I know it was mentioned that even like Google, if you start to Google the word climate change, if you're in one area and you meet a certain criteria to be segmented in a certain way, as you type climate change, the first thing that will pop up is climate change is a hoax. Whereas if you're in another area, as you start typing words climate change, the first thing that'll pop up is climate change is destroying our planet. And I think the example is brought up, if you went to Wikipedia, think how scary it would be if Wikipedia tailored its definitions to what it thinks you want to hear. So to think that there is that much manipulation happening, to me is scary. Like, I I don't have a problem with knowing that people want to sell me something, right? Like, that's been a motive throughout all history, right? People always want to persuade others and change their behavior. Honestly, I feel like everything that you say or do when interacting with another person is meant to elicit a certain response or change the way they think or feel or what they do. Like, I have no problem with that. The scary thing is just how sophisticated it is and how at scale like this with the technology that we now have it is polarizing the masses at such an accelerated rate and that polarization i think is what scares me the most because you know i'm not necessarily against radical thoughts or radical ideas like it's okay to be radical about something if it's true but the fact that we have people being pulled apart and separated in their radical ideas and then hating each other based on them i think that's the big danger and that's why we see things like the whole russian disinformation campaign you know and when i first heard about that you know years ago i was like well what's like what's the big deal and, and why is this so effective? Why would they put so much effort into it? But now, looking at it, it's, it's crazy how impactful I think that really was and continues to be. So as people are going further left and further right, they're growing further apart. And the conspiracy theories create this huge wedge between them to the point where you see like friendships being lost. And just like a friendship can be torn apart, I think so too can a community, a nation. And Kellen, like you said earlier, when they say united we stand, divided we fall, like echo chambers are just a prime example of what does divide us and the dangers that it can cause. I think, you know, as catabolic collapse continues and conditions and living standards get worse, the radicalization and polarization will intensify. In episode, what was it, six, where we talked about political instability, we mentioned that things are very precarious, that we're likely going to collapse even if politicians did everything right even if we all came together and chose to do the right things. But the fact that we aren't, the fact that we're getting further and further apart, to me, signals that we're going to bring on our own collapse much earlier, that we're going to make things much harder on ourselves. You know, it's not hard to picture a point in the future when the violence that we're seeing from these divisions could reach a tipping point. In Chris Hedges' words, he says a competent fascist could eventually come into power in the U.S. and use you know, populism, use those emotions and social media platforms in a way that would allow them to do what Trump hasn't been able to do, which is you know maintaining power contrary to the democratic will of the people. And personally, that's a route I see being possible in the future because we're allowing ourselves to become overcome by the hatred caused by those divisions. 
Yeah, that's absolutely what seems to be happening. And I think some additional contributing factors to all of this would be one, that things that are sensational, things that are extreme, just get a lot more attention. I think it was cited in that documentary that there was an MIT study that shows fake news on Twitter travels six times faster than real news, right? So when you think about those two competing, real news doesn't really stand much of a chance. And any news source wants to elicit an emotional response, right? They want to cause some level of alarm because that's what keeps people watching. That's what's interesting. It's, it's entertainment in a way. So I think the news sources that people used to rely on are becoming more radicalized. And of course, that makes people distrust the other side that much more, right? If you are on the left, you feel like, ah, they're getting all that garbage from Fox News. All they do is listen all day to Fox News. That's why they're such an idiot. And if you're on the right, you're like, well, all they do is listen all day to CNN. No wonder they're so misguided. So I think that's a a big part of it. And it's our fault, right? We're not disciplined enough to pay attention to the things that aren't so radical. We like to hear really alarming, extreme things. So to me, that's one contributing factor. Another is this whole idea when it comes to the way we tick as humans around consistency and commitment, right? That's another thing that's brought up in that book that I mentioned earlier, is that once we identify ourselves as part of a group or we make a conscious choice that like, here's the opinion or the group or the team that I'm going to root for, as soon as we do that and somebody opposes that group, we dig our heels in, right? Like even even from a sports perspective, if you decide that you're a Steelers fan, you have no direct impact on that team. They don't really have any impact on your life. And yet, as soon as you start rooting for them and then somebody bashes your team, you're going to go to battle, right? And I think the same thing happens when you join a Facebook group or you become a part of a subreddit or whatever it may be. We start to identify with certain groups and we become so committed, so loyal to that cause that we start to plug our ears when anyone gives us any opposing information. So between all of that, then you get the fact that nobody thinks they're in an echo chamber, right? Again, nobody thinks that their opinion is wrong. I've had conversations with people who are very one-sided. I would say not very open-minded, but they make these claims like, no, I get a balance, right? I, I, I see what everyone's saying about a certain topic, and yet they're still only getting a slanted view, right? They're, they're aware of what the other side is saying, but they're not viewing it or seeing it as a factual representation. They're seeing that as an opinion and this that agrees with what I'm saying is fact. Yeah, it's like being able to say like, like I know what Fox News says about this because CNN told me what Fox News says about this. <laughs> and so that obviously isn't giving it a fair chance. And I think a really important part about this is that there is a truth in everything. We don't get a makeup what truth is. There are facts, there are lies, and it really is a challenge to discern between them, especially when, like you said, there's so much disinformation, misinformation. And I think the difference there is that disinformation is purposeful falsehoods and misinformation is accidental falsehoods. And so how, you know, how do we discern between the truth and the lies? And I think it really is important to get a healthy dose of everything. And I'm not superb at this either, but I do try and like keep friends and have conversations with people who don't agree with me. I think it's really important to be able to have those conversations. Civil discourse, civil debate 
you know, there's nothing wrong with a healthy debate or argument with someone because you might actually open your eyes and see, but you have to take it from, like you said, a stance where you're not digging in and saying, no matter what, I'm going to defend my side. And I've been thinking about that myself a lot lately that like, I hate that we get pegged to a side, especially in, in politics. You know, I grew up in a conservative echo chamber. I have since shifted quite a bit from that, but I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm definitely not a Democrat. I'm no longer a Republican. I don't really know exactly where I stand left and right and all these different things. But I do know that if I say I didn't like Trump, then a conservative is going to call me a dirty Democrat. And I know that if I say I don't think Biden's going to be a great president, that I get called a conservative, a MAGA or whatever. But I don't ascribe to any of that. So I think it's important to realize we all come from different places. We have different beliefs and different ideas. And we need to stop putting other people into camps and more seek to understand where people are coming from with their opinions. Yeah, as you say that, I, you know, if you were to come on this podcast and say, like, I love Trump, I'm a Trump supporter, a lot of people would, from this point forward, stop listening to the podcast, right? You instantly lose credibility in their eyes. And the same thing goes the other way. If you say, I love Biden, then there's a number of people who are going to say, oh, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. But I love what you're saying, which is that we need to understand people come from different backgrounds, have different opinions, and they probably have a lot of valuable insight to offer. You know, I'm extremely grateful for a family member of mine, my brother-in-law, who I don't agree with on everything, but there are certain things that he started challenging, right? He started in a very respectful way, kind of pushing back against some preconceived notions I had or some biases that I've always had. And it led to me becoming a little more open-minded, starting to think about areas that I might be wrong and starting to listen to what I guess you would call the other side and even trying to seek that out. And for me, it's helped me come to a much more balanced perspective. I'm sure I've still got a long ways to go. So as we talk about this, I, I have some questions I'd love to ask just to hear your thoughts. The first one is just where do you think this trend, this path that we're on that's leading to more polarization and people diving deeper into echo chambers like what do you envision for where the, this is going to lead us so i tend to personally agree with chris hedges take on it that i mentioned before that we're opening the door to be led by people who appeal to those emotions and to that hatred of the quote other side when we can't be united around central needs and i'm speaking specifically of in the u.s but all over the world you know if we're talking about our country and what we need to fix the issues. And we're not talking about that. And we're not trying to elect a president around that. We're trying to elect someone who will hate the other side and oppress the other side and, you know, put down or show up the other side, whatever it is. The more and more separated we get and the more polarized we become, the more susceptible the masses are to falling into that trap. And we see that with Trump. I mean, much of what he ran on was was just going against liberals, going against the left, you know, and, and he his populist ideas around xenophobia and build the wall and, and all those types of things, I think that is going to intensify. And Chris Hedges talks about, you know, Trump was kind of an incompetent fascist in a way that he didn't understand the political system. He, like, he was a political outsider. And the fear is that we get a political insider who knows their way around the system who knows how to create issues, but is also willing to appeal to people's emotions in the same way that Trump did. And so for me personally, that's my biggest fear, is that it's going to happen and, and we're not even going to see it coming and we're going to wonder, how the heck did we get here? 
So I guess that kind of answers um, another question I had, but I still want to ask, you know, you mentioned earlier that you feel like us being divided makes it so that we're not finding solutions together to the problems that we're facing. You know, if everyone is at each other's throats, we're never going to get the kind of consensus we need to make any changes to fight climate change, for example. So part of why I guess all of this is such a big deal is because we can't really make any progress in the ways that we need to if we are so polarized. But if we didn't have any of the other issues, if we were, if we didn't have to worry about climate change and we didn't have to worry about our financial system and we didn't have to worry about how complex our society is, do you feel like this sort of a problem of people becoming more extreme and more one-sided would lead toward collapse on its own? So to your first point, I think that what you just said is the biggest problem about echo chambers, and that is that it completely obstructs us from making any progress. There are major issues that we're facing. You know, one you didn't mention, for example, would be the wealth disparity, right? People talk about how the real us versus them, if there was one, shouldn't be left versus right. It should be, you know, the top 0.001% hoarding the wealth and the bottom 40% living in poverty, that sort of thing, right? I know that statistic isn't accurate, but the idea is the same. So, so I think we're distracting ourselves by hating each other. But to answer your question about would this lead to collapse even if we didn't have any of the other problems, and I think the answer to that is yes, because you can only do it for so long before that division and that hatred creates its own problems. Animosity throughout history has caused wars, misinformation, misunderstandings, disinformation. Those are some of the things that can cause wars. And so I think that infighting amongst ourselves, for example, within the United States, just gives our adversaries from other parts of the world more of a leg up and more of an advantage. I don't think China is being ripped apart right now by disinformation and social media campaigns. I don't know a lot about Chinese culture, but I don't think that there's this big division along party lines that's causing them to implode, right? No, China is economically expanding at an insane rate and will soon overtake the U.S. And while we are fighting and our empire is falling, it gives them every opportunity to become the next world superpower. So in those types of ways, looking outside of the systemic issues that we've talked about, I do think that this type of polarization could cause collapse. Yeah, I think you're right. I think nothing exponential is sustainable. We talked about that. And if disparity in opinions is exponentially increasing, then the way that people treat each other is only going to get worse. Yeah, and on top of that, you start to get things like like the death of science, right? We're seeing this massive movement where science is no longer trusted. And a lot of the conspiracy theories that you hear touted, they just make me like, like I'm just so taken aback by the fact that someone can actually believe that, right? Like, flat eartherism and those types of things that people genuinely believe. And there are actually a lot of people that believe them. And so like you said, if that continues to grow exponentially, we start to get all these people who are living outside of reality and we can't face our real problems if we're not living in reality. Yeah. One of the statements from that documentary that we cited earlier, some, somebody said, imagine a world where nobody believes anything that's true. And that's terrifying, right? Like we have to have a general consensus of what is true. If people are all living in their own realities, then that's where we're going to have the most contention. So that brings me to my next question, which is like you, you mentioned there's certain things we can do ourselves to try and avoid the confirmation bias and the echo chambers, right? We can try and seek information from various points of view. But 
is there anything I can do to help somebody else, right? Because I feel like the people who are most one-sided are the same people who are least likely to admit that they could be wrong, right? Or that they could have need to hear insight from other opinions. Specifically, I'm thinking of some of these family members I talked about that are just very extreme. How do you help pull them back to a reasonable state of mind? Yeah, I don't have a perfect answer for that because because I I think that would take an expert to really be able to give a great answer. But I think just with communication in general, like we should be willing to listen to other people if we want them to listen to us. Someone's going to get defensive if we attack their ideals, right? If someone comes out and says like I think there is flat and you just like rail all over that, you know, they are going to retreat within themselves and you know, completely defend it. So I think if you are humble yourself and listen and say, I'd really like to like know where you're coming from on that. Why do you believe that? What makes you believe that? Talk me through it. Obviously, when someone's got themselves so ingrained in something like that and their answers are completely unscientific, non-realistic, you're probably not going to be able to convince them out of it. And I think just like any proper teaching technique is getting someone to, to teach themselves, getting someone to realize it on their own asking guided questions, but being sincere about it. And that's not an easy thing to do. But in essence, if I go to someone and say, oh, you think the earth's flat? Like, you're wrong and that's stupid. It's never going to change someone's mind. They know you think that's wrong and they know you think that's stupid. But I think at the very least, by being humble yourself, by being willing to listen, you kind of put someone off their guard and they're going to be more likely to listen to you back. I'm not saying that's going to work. <laughs> you know, you're going to change people's minds and things. But, but I do know that if you don't at least start there, you're not going to get anywhere. To me, that's a really thoughtful answer. And I think a very wise one. You know, I know we both kind of came into this conversation having thought quite a bit about this and each kind of bringing some things to the table for this topic. But if I were to kind of sum up what I think this is all about, it's that we as people are social creatures and our minds work a certain way. We're more comfortable with opinions that agree with our own. We want to hear things that validate what we already think and feel. And that's always been the case. And there have always been various opinions. But we live in a time where there's so much information out there. And some of the tools that we use most frequently or the technologies that we use don't necessarily have our best interest in mind. Instead, they're trying to earn a profit. And to monetize something like social media, it makes sense that they they want to keep you glued to the screen as long as possible. And the way to do that is to put all the things in front of your eyes that will keep your attention, that do agree with your opinions. If there's things that you click like on, they want to make sure you see more of that kind of thing and that you're surrounded by people who validate that as well. Which on the surface doesn't really sound that scary, but when you think about how much it is radicalizing opinions how much it's polarizing us as a society to me that is scary and these are actual like large-scale impacts that we're seeing the results of elections right the way that people support or denounce a cause the willingness that people have to come together and solve problems or to get more and more contentious and to hate the other side so the rate at which people are hating each other is accelerating because of these echo chambers And it gives me a lot to think about in terms of like how I want to control my own use of social media and my own consumption of other types of media. 
I want to be protective of what I allow to show up on my screen. And I want to be more open-minded. Right? I think this, this podcast in general has helped me to gain a new perspective. So that alone makes me excited about some of the things that I know we're going to be talking about in coming episodes. Yeah, you know, we do try and keep our biases out of these conversations, and naturally they're going to creep in. And that's why I've said several times already up to this point in the podcast that don't just get your information from us, right? Like people should be doing all their research, visit multiple sources, don't just get your information from the Collapse subreddit. Don't just get it from me. Do plenty of research, view things from every angle to decide what the truth is. Kellen and I really hope that you appreciate the effort that we've been putting into these episodes, into sharing our thoughts and ideas and opinions in a way that help you to gain a different perspective. We do ask if you value the content that you'd support us through our Patreon link, which you can find in the description box. Any support we get is a huge help, and we really appreciate our patrons. And so for the price of a five for five at Wendy's once per month, you can help Kellen and I justify researching, preparing, recording, editing these episodes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.